walking down the street yeah. and you see a little ghost. What? What you gonna do about Ghostbusters? What? What? What is that? That's the Ghostbusters theme song. No. I'm pretty sure it is. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 216, Submission 248. The Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters aired on CBS from September 6th to December 13th, 1975, for a total of 15 episodes. We're the Ghostbusters. I'm Spencer. He's Tracy. I'm Kong. We're the Ghostbusters. We're clever, courageous, and strong. Your sleep has been haunted with whispers and rattlings. Your blood has been curdled. We know what to do. Your skin has the creepies. I wonder what's happening. You're safe in our hands. We will take care of you. We're the Ghostbusters. Spirits and demons, beware. Ghostbusters, wherever you're hiding out there. We know what you're up to. We're ready for anything. We're bold and we're fearless and never afraid. We're always prepared. We're right there with everything. With us on the job, trouble soon fade. The Ghostbusters do it again. Oh, man. Well, that's not the familiar theme song that we all know. No, that's that's not uh, Ray Parker Jr. No. No, it's not a ripoff of I Want a New Drug by Huey Lewis. Though, really, after seeing this show, they might have been on some drugs. Well, potentially. It was the mid-70s. Yeah, true. But yeah, the Ghostbusters we're talking about was not the original. That was in 1984, and as Greg said, this show was in 1975. And actually, uh, just a little backstory regarding the Ghostbusters we know and love from 84, Columbia Pictures did have to pay the production company Filmation uh, to use that name. Yes. Uh, And actually, we're going to talk about just the live action show this time. We'll talk about the cartoon at some point. Because there was a cartoon in the mid to late 80s, sort of capitalizing on Ghostbusters popularity, uh, again, around 84, 85-ish. They brought back this as an animated show. And also at the same point, you did have a Ghostbusters cartoon based on the movie. But the differentiation in the names was... It was the real Ghostbusters. Yes, to distinguish it from that Ghostbusters. Even though you could maybe make a case that this is the real Ghostbusters. Well, they were the first. I don't know if this are the the real Ghostbusters, but they were the first. You could call them the OG Ghostbusters. They were the OG Ghostbusters, yeah. And they were mm, different, similar but different to the Ghostbusters we know and love. They were basically detectives who were investigating paranormal activities. Not necessarily ghosts. I mean, there was no Stay Puft Marshmallow Man or Slimer or anything like that. It was more 
you know, I'm going to make a weird comparison here, but I'm going to stick to it. They were like characters you'd see in the Gauntlet of Villains. Yeah. You'd see, yeah, Dracula, and you'd see uh, Frankenstein and uh, stuff like that. Those are the characters, the types of characters that they would encounter uh, on each episode. And when we talk about them, the the people uh, on the show, we're talking about three names, and we're talking about three pretty big names. Uh, maybe not big in the sense of, hey, you know, that's still an A actor after 45 years, but still known entities as we, we would say around here. First, uh, we had Kong, and Kong was played by Forrest Tucker. Well, where classic TV fans would know him from is F Troop. Yes. Among other things. And his other human partner, Notice the keyword human. Human. Yeah, his other partner was Spencer, and he was played by the one and only Larry Storch. Oh, yes. Ah. Anybody want to buy a Dodge? One owner, one gear, one dollar. (laughs) One bullet. Still with us at 98. Wow. He's going to turn 99 in January. So we're under two months away from him turning 99. Wow. He's battling Betty there. Hopefully they both make it to 100. And Betty's only two months away. Two months away. And and, and actually, we have something planned for Betty's 100. Yes. We're we're not going to talk about it. But yes, we, we do have a special episode planned for uh, her centennial, as it were. So we had uh, Forrest Tucker playing Kong, and we had Spencer, played by Storch, and I think this is just beautiful synergy here. We had Spencer. The gorilla's name in this show is Tracy, Spencer Tracy. (laughs) It's clever. It's clever. It works. And not only that, but... Forrest Tucker is Kong. Is Kong, yeah. And actually, uh, when we get into this actor who portrays uh, Tracy, it's going to make a lot of sense why they use the name Kong for Forrest Tucker's character. The person who portrayed Tracy is Bob Burns. And if you don't know who Bob Burns is, if you're a fan of horror or sci-fi, he should be a familiar name. Yes, he is. He is one of the biggest archivists and historians of horror and sci-fi memorabilia, like anywhere. Oh yes, and uh, and and his uh, he was on Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast back in 2017. I had a chance to listen to it earlier this week, and they get really deep into his career, the relationships he made. The people he knew, uh, like Lon Chaney Jr. And I think Bella Lugosi was another name. And Elsa Lanchester, I believe, is another name. But yeah, he is just like one of the big names, maybe not in terms of an actor, but also when it comes to sci-fi and horror, especially in horror, huge name. Huge name and still with us at 86. 
So yeah, definitely give that uh, podcast episode 158 of Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. Give it a listen. It's a good time. But getting back to this show. So again, every episode, this trio of detectives or detectives and a gorilla, they would try to solve some sort of supernatural mystery. If that makes any sense. But again, uh, we'll go through some of the episodes. You'll see what we mean by supernatural ghosts or monsters or uh, other things that may be a little scary. And unlike the Ghostbusters movie from 1984, they were like in a really rundown building. That's where their offices were. And their vehicle was, I don't want to say an old jalopy, but I'm going to say an old jalopy. Yeah, it was basically an old timey car. Yeah, and, and actually, I shared a story with Greg that Bob Burns mentioned on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast that on one of the first tape dates, I think it may have even been the first, Forrest Tucker and Bob Burns were in the vehicle. Larry Storch wasn't there that day. He had the day off or something like that. And they did a scene or, or they shot some footage of them driving the car and the car started losing control. It was going downhill and swerving and whatnot. And Bob Burns and or Forrest Tucker tried stopping the car, hitting the brakes. The brakes didn't work. Wow. Don't know if the, the brake line was cut or if it just malfunctioned. Because, again, it was an old vehicle. So what's plan B? Pull the emergency brake. The emergency brake fails. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And so they're sort of careening downhill recklessly. And Bob Burns basically said, oh, I hope I get out of this alive. That's what's going through his mind is just survival. And the whole time this is being recorded. And Lou Scheimer, who's the uh, producer of this show, big name behind Filmation, in case uh, that name rings a bell. He loved the footage so much even though somebody could have gotten hurt or killed, it was used in the opening sequence of this show. Maybe about three or four seconds of the car careening. And I don't even think you could make out Forrest Tucker and Bob Burns or the lack of a Larry Storch. But you have this car careening out of control down this hill and then taking a sharp left turn and continuing its course. But apparently that was good enough to make the final opening sequence. It seems like everything with this show, especially compared to the Ghostbusters we know and love, was sort of run down. Mm-hmm. Sort of aged. And the way the show would work is every episode, you didn't get the opening credits immediately. You got like a one-minute teaser. So you had the baddie of the day doing something or scheming or whatnot. And then right before or as something's happening, we're the Ghostbusters. They, they uh, do the credit roll. And what would happen is Kong uh, would send Tracy and Spencer to a store to get their next assignment from an unseen character named Zero. Boy, this doesn't sound like any number of TV shows where, you know, here's your mission. This will self-destruct in five seconds. I'm talking to you, Mission Impossible. But Zero, he was actually played 
by Lou Scheinman. So he wasn't just the producer of this show. He also had a role in it. Uh, and actually, <laughs> uh, they did the whole, this message will self-destruct in five seconds gag. And generally, uh, when that happened, it would just blow up in Tracy's face. Hmm. And it seems like uh, on the episodes, all their assignments would take them to a spooky castle with a graveyard on the outskirts of the city. And there would be the ghouls and ghosts and monsters of the episode. I'm surprised that all the monsters lived in one castle. Why wouldn't they get rounded up after the first episode? I don't know. Probably because they were too cheap to afford an ever set. Well, and actually, we'll get to that a little bit later. Because there is a little bit of a, I don't want to say cheapness factor, but there's a reason this only lasted 15 episodes. Okay. Yeah. As we said, there are 15 episodes, and we'll just start off at the top with the Maltese Monkey. The Maltese Monkey. Boy, I wonder what they're poking fun at. Hmm. The Maltese Falcon. It's the damn Maltese Falcon they're making reference to in the title as if you are too stupid to know it's a joke on a 30-year-old movie. The Ghostbusters must stop the fat man and rabbit from summoning the ghost of gangster Big Al Caesar, who will help them steal the stuff dreams are made of, the Maltese monkey. Hmm. Wait, the gangster, Big Al Caesar. Huh. Oh, you know what? That's villain one in the gauntlet. That's Alphonse the gangster. Look at that. We've already filled in one gap using the gauntlet. Let's see if we can get, I don't think we'll get to 10. Let's see if we can get to at least five or six. If we can get through half the gauntlet in this episode, I think that's going to be somewhat remarkable. So in this episode, two big names besides uh, the four that we've mentioned. Playing the fat man. The fat man. He he was a big man, uh, especially at this time. Johnny Brown. Oh. And, And I'm sure you know Johnny Brown. And if not... He was on Good Times. Good Times. He, he was Nathan on Good Times. Uh, he was also a regular on Laughing in the later years, 70, 71, 72. Oh, and he did a voice on the Plastic Man cartoon. Oh, my. That's kind of deep. Oh, and also, Greg. Yeah. Since everything has to go back to one of a certain number of shows, Johnny Brown was a celebrity. On Christmas week of 1979, on Beat the Clock. Oh, yeah. Oh, but hold on, Mike. Oh, Mike, you're not going to believe this. He was also in an episode of Punky Brewster. Oh, no. He was in an episode. Oh, my God. I know what episode this is. Okay. Okay. So, in this episode... Mrs. Johnson goes on a dating game type game show. And do you want to guess who plays the host in this episode? Do you want to guess, Mike? Was it somebody like Jim Lang? Sort of, sort of, but not really like a Jim Lang. Okay. It is a game show host. Do you want to know who it is? Yeah, let's hear it. David Ruprecht. No! I'm not oh. even kidding. 
It's time for Chicago's most exciting and romantic game show, Dream Date. Let's welcome the host of Dream Date, the Prince of Johnny's, Johnny Prince. <laughs> Hello, Chicago. Thank you very much. Oh my gosh. Oh, and also, hey. It's time for a match game. Highwood Squares. Our reference. Let's bring everything back to Match Game Hollywood Squares. David Ruprecht was on a week of Match Game Hollywood That's Squares. That's right. But also, not just any week, the week that had Hulk Hogan's ex-sister-in-law. Where Butch Hartman got the 30 and lost, too. That he picked the 30 twice and lost both times. Lost both times. But he didn't lose the 30,000 both times because the second time was for 7,500. But he still hit the 30 and lost both times. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the he, way. He did, he did a double John Cervenko. By the way, considering I mentioned Punky Brewster, Punker. Oh, there we need the George Gaines in there. Absolutely. Punky, punky, tell Sherry to not go in the refrigerator. You see, I was hoping that you'd say Johnny Brown was like playing the older brother of Sherry, and he's like, no, get out of the refrigerator. This is not cool. Okay, but apparently he was trying to date her mother. I think it was her grandmother. How old is Johnny Brown? Oh, well, whatever. But the other name. Oh. Playing the rabbit, Greg. Oh, Billy Barty, the one and only. And hey. how many times have we mentioned him on this podcast? You know what? When we have, because around March or April, we should do a special episode for the "It Was a Thing on TV" first ever Hall of Fame class. He should be a candidate for the first ever Hall of Fame class. He really should be. He really should be. Because how many times have we talked about him? Uh, obviously, Super Train. Yes. Ace Crawford, Private Eye. Oh, definitely. What else did he do? Oh, God. I'm trying to think. Oh, he was in the love boat because <laughs> we, we, we saw that uh, on YouTube. The, oh, uh, every guest the, store the, in the, the history. master of cut of all the opens. And by the way, guys, in a couple of weeks, we are too. Because we had that as a topic. The guest stars on the love boat. Well, guess what? We're going to do a special episode talking about every guest star who was on the love boat. Not necessarily who they played, but just talking about just strictly the people that appeared on the love boat. Because there's so many. There are so many. And I mean, we, we could spend like 10 seconds on each person and the episode will still probably last two hours. Oh, yeah. Going on to episode two. Dr. What's-His-Name. Dr. Frankenstein returns, seeking the brain of the world's most gullible fool to transplant into his monster. Enter Eddie Spencer. Oh, I'm not really surprised. Because uh, we're talking about Eddie Spencer. Spencer in this episode, played by Larry Storch. He was not the brightest bulb in the chandelier of life, I've heard. Hmm. And actually, Bob Burns on Gilbert Gaffrey's podcast said as much 
he was sort of a dim bulb. And honestly, if you've ever seen some of the stuff Larry Storch has done in the past, yeah, he's a, a bit of a goofball slapstick type of actor, especially back in uh, the 60s, 70s, even up to the 90s. How do you do, Mr. Storch? I just loved you in a D cup. <laughs> That's F true. <laughs> and in terms of guest stars on this episode, well, we have a big one in terms of Dr. Frankenstein. And we've talked about him not that long ago in the past. Actually, we talked about him sort of indirectly three, four minutes ago when we were talking about the love boat. Oh, yes. Bernie Capel. Bernie Capel. Yeah. Doc. Doc, Siegfried on Get Smart. I mean, so many roles. And we did mention him in When Things Were Rotten. We did. He was on that, yes. And then playing the monster was William Engesser. Okay. Not uh, around any longer, but he definitely had the credentials to play Frankenstein's monster. He was seven foot three. Oh, not as tall as Eligante, though. No, that's why he never asked for a belt. I won the belt. I want your belt. Ric Flair, I kill you. Episode three, The Cantorville Ghost. Oh, by the way, that's two gauntlet enemies that we've talked about. So we've got four more to go to reach my six quota. We'll see if we get there. Jewel thief Mr. C schemes to scare Corolla out of the castle so he can find and steal the Canterville diamond, not realizing it hangs around the neck of the scaredy cat ghost of Sir Simon de Canterville and playing Simon de Canterville in this episode. These are big names. These are huge names. Playing Simon de Canterville? Hold on. Well, we're waiting. Okay, you're not going to wait any longer. Ted Knight! Yeah, somehow they got Ted Knight. And this was when Mary Tyler Moore was still on. Yeah, it was on until 77. So, Pretty big name. A very big name. Yeah, Ted Baxter. And I I just find it surprising. You know, Ted Baxter had a certain persona. I couldn't really see him breaking character for this. No. I mean, also, at the same time, just talking about Ted Knight, period. I could not see him breaking many characters. Not just talking about Ted Baxter. But if we're talking about too close for comfort, Henry Rush. Oh, yeah. The the no BS attitude he had with uh, Monroe. 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 Yeah. He was that versatile. I just couldn't see him doing anything like that. But lo and behold, there you go. But he's not even the only name. Playing the wife, Corolla DeCanterville. Kathy Garver. Oh, Yes. And we talked about her in the past. She was on that family affair. Yeah, she was sissy on family affair. And actually, she was also a, a sibling imposter on the current run of To Tell the Truth. Oh. Yeah, back in uh, earlier this year, 2021. Oh, oh, hold on a second, Mike. There's one other name that I want to talk about, okay? All right. Playing Mr. C is Len Lesser. But you'd best know Len Lesser 
in the role of Uncle Leo on 14 episodes of Seinfeld. Oh, that's great. Uncle Leo. Oh, he was uh, Gorvin on nine episodes of Everybody Loves Raymond. Mike, you're going to love this. He was on an episode of Babes. Oh, jeez. Well, as a palate cleanser, he was also on an episode of recently covered show, Kolchak the Night Stalker. That's right. I can't believe we missed that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. He was Crowley on the episode They Have Been, They Are, They Will Be. Continuing on, episode four. Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf? Hoping to remove the curse of the werewolf from hapless Harry Albert, gypsy fortune teller Sophia comes seeking to steal the baldus lupus amulet that Spencer recently unearthed. And in terms of names on this episode, I see one name that I recognize. Oh, I think I know where you're going. Is it the werewolf? It is the werewolf. Oh, yes. Lenny Weinrib. H.R. Puffin stuff, among other things. Uh, a, a big name in voice acting. I, I know Chico, that's his field of expertise, voice actors. But looking at some of the shows that he did work on, Voltron, The Gummy Bears, Pac-Man, Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo, Richie Rich Show. Oh, the Richie Rich Show. Plastic Man. Hey, since we already mentioned Plastic Man, Plastic Man, Garfield and Friends. Oh, Garfield and Friends. Yo, Yogi. Yo, Yogi. Yo, Yogi. And I think uh, Chico has stuff to say about that, but just not at this time. And playing Sophia in this episode is Nora Denny. She was Mrs. TV in the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, Mike TV's Mike TV's mom. mom, yeah. And hey, hold on, Mike. Wasn't Mike TV recently contested on Jeopardy a couple years ago? I don't know if it was Mike TV, but there uh, there were a couple of uh, contestants, uh, one on Jeopardy, one on Wheel of Fortune, who were in the Willy, Willy Wonka. Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, uh, Paris Themen was on Jeopardy. Okay, I, I I think he was Mikey TV. I'm not 100 percent sure. He, I believe, ended up either second or third. He didn't win, but I can definitely vouch that he was on. I think he was on before Chico. So at this point, we're talking four Three, or five years ago. Yeah, something like that. Four or five years ago. Yeah, but also uh, one of the other uh, adults from that movie was on Wheel of Fortune. And this is going back, oh gosh, 20, 25 years ago. I think this is about 96, 97. And the person from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory who was a contestant, actually in 2000, so it was 21 years ago, that was Leonard Stone. And okay. Leonard Stone played Mr. Beauregard. Oh, so Violet's dad. Violet's dad. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. yeah. Violet's dad did not have any nice things to say about Mr. Wonka. I'll get in with you for this Wonka. It's the last thing I ever do. I got a blueberry for a daughter. Obvious ADR is obvious. But yeah, so there you go. You get two useful game show facts. Two people on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory were on game shows at least 30 years after the movie came out. 
but enough excess knowledge flinging around. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the Ghostbusters 75 show. Right. And we're going to continue to episode five, The Flying Dutchman. Yar. Scroggs schemes to Shanghai the unsuspecting Spencer and Tracy to serve as deckhands aboard Captain Bean's Flying Dutchman ghost ship. Playing Captain Bean in this episode is Stanley Adams. And Stanley Adams uh, was best known for playing a pint-sized billionaire in the film Breakfast at Tiffany's, but he is notable because he played Sereno Jones in the famous Star Trek episode, The Trouble with Tribbles. Oh, wow. And not only that, but he reprises the role in the future entry Star Trek The Animated Series in the sequel episode, More Tribbles, more troubles. I think we talked about him in another episode. I'm not sure. But, hey, Mike, second reference to Cole Check the Night Stalker because he played a bartender in the episode The Devil's Platform. Oh, my. Uh, also, we should note, maybe about a year and a half after this episode, he passed away. Yeah. Yeah, he, he died in April of 1977. And playing Scroggs in this episode is Philip Bruns. And Philip Bruns generally is that guy from that thing, but he did portray George Sumway on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Also, he was in Flashdance, Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Again, very thorough, very deep career. Again, also not with us, passed away. Just under 10 years ago. All right, let's go to episode six. The Dummy's Revenge. Why is there a Larry Storch joke hitting me right now? The Dummy's Revenge. Oh. Larry Storch is in the house. Uh, Well, let's uh, read the capsule and find out. The Phantom of Vaudeville, a masked ventriloquist with his dummy Elmo, seeks revenge after suspecting Spencer, Tracy, and Kong of being the song and dance act that upstaged them decades earlier. Well, no, that's realistic. I can see Forrest Tucker and Larry Storch being in a vaudeville act. Maybe not Tracy, but I I could see uh, definitely uh, Spencer and Kong being in that type of, uh, in that type of vaudeville act. Yeah. In this episode playing the Phantom is Tim Herbert, Not really known for any one thing, but had a very diverse career. He was in Soylent Green, one of my favorite movies. Uh, He played Whiskers in Batman back in 66. Okay. Hey, Mike, don't tell me how Soylent Green ends. I don't want the movie ruined for me. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Uh, Greg? What? If you ever go to a showing of that movie... Yeah. May may I suggest that you don't eat the hors d'oeuvres? Okay. Why is that? Uh, just a hunch. Okay. Yeah. And then playing Elmo in this episode is Brian Berlin. And literally, Greg? Yeah. This is his only credit in IMDb. Wow. Going out on a high note. Only credit. Absolutely. Going to episode seven, which is called... A worthless gauze. Not cause, gauze. 
The Ghostbusters become embroiled with Egyptian Queen Fora and her mummy as they search for the ape sorcerer Simeos, who in turn can bring them to Spenza, possessor of the secret of immortality. Ooh. Ooh. But hey, this one guest star we talked about in the past. Oh, how many times have we talked about this guest star? It's numerous. Maybe not many, but multiple times. Queen Fora in this episode, played by Barbara Rhodes. Yeah, and if you are a fan of sitcoms back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, you saw her on a couple of shows. Uh, She was on Busting Loose. Busting Loose. Busting Loose, not Busting Loose. There was a show called Busting Loose back in uh, 77 with Paul Sylvan, among other people. Not Busting Loose with Jimmy Walker. No. Okay, I just wanted to clarify. I didn't know uh, if you uh, what you're going for there. And also, we mentioned her. Hey, Greg, how about another Super Train reference? She was on Super Train. Oh, yes, she was on Super Train. And she was also on the final season of Soap, which we've Soap. talked about. Yes. Yeah. And, of course, we've mentioned her in the past because she was a pretty good player on Password Plus back in the day. Oh, Yes. But hold on a second. Mike, you're not going to believe this. She was in a show. I don't think this is related to the one we've talked about. But she was on a show in 1979 called Hanging In. Not that Hanging In. It's another show called Hanging In. Right. I mean, it's sort of like busting loose versus busting loose. It's this is Hanging In versus Hanging In. Yeah. Yeah, lose the G and put in an apostrophe. Absolutely. But do you know who was on this show, Mike? I have no idea. Nitra Falls! Uh, Oh, I needed that. And also Bill Macy was on this show. Okay. Bill Macy and Nitra Falls. You can't go wrong with that. Okay. Do we have any other guest stars in this episode? Uh, We also have playing the mummy. Richard Balin. Oh. Well, I don't know why you know that name. He really hasn't done much uh, starring. Mm-hmm. He did voices in Shirt Tales. Yeah, that's why he said, because of Shirt Tales. Oh, everybody loves Shirt Tales. But also, Greg. Yeah. I hope you're sitting. What is it? He was on a 1997 episode of Wings. Oh, my God. Now, Mike. Mike. All right. All right. Have I ever told this story on this podcast? I don't think so. Okay. I love wings. Really? Okay. That That's news to me. And by the way, it did make Tony Shalhoub's career. You speak the truth. Total oh, facts the- coming from you. Oh, yeah. By the way, I won't see rant. <laughs> I want to see rant. I want to see rant. Oh my! And we move on to episode eight, which oh look at this, another gauntlet villain popping up, a witch. Which witch is which? Which witch is which? Yeah, that's like a tongue twister. Which witch is which? The ghost of a 17th century witch and her stooge Gronk. Oh my gosh! I'm sorry. I see the word Gronk. 
You know what I'm thinking? What? Uh, a chucklehead tight end that plays in Tampa Bay. Who may or may not get some supplies from a certain Alex G. Yeah, courtesy of his friend and former teammate and current teammate, Tom B. Chico nor Podbean are responsible for the potentially slanderous but also potentially true comments about one Tom B, one Alex G, and the Stooge Gronk. Gronk, oh my gosh. And her Stooge Gronk. I mean, I'm sorry, that's perfect right there. Stooge Gronk. Oh, yeah. Because because Rob Gronkowski isn't really known for uh, being a Rhodes Scholar. Oh, no. His entire head's filled with empty air because he's an idiot. More or less. That was Greg who said that, by the way, Gronk. So, anywho, uh, the ghost of a 17th century witch and her stooge Gronk returned for revenge on the descendant of the Edward Spencer who broke her spell at the Salem Witch Trials. And in this episode, playing the witch is Anne Morgan Guibert. G-U-I-L-B-E-R-T. I think it's Guibert. It's not Gilbert. I can tell you that much. Oh, she was on the Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah, she goes way back. Back in the day. And unfortunately isn't with us, hasn't been with us for almost five and a half years. Oh. But also, uh, among the other roles she had, we talked about Dick Van Dyke. She was on The Nanny. The Nanny. She was Yetta Rosenberg. Wasn't that like uh, uh, Fran Drescher's mom or grandma on that show? Possibly. Okay, I thought maybe you knew I'm not, the nanny. I'm not it, up on the nanny, so. That, that name rings a bell, though. I, I don't watch much nanny either, but I think she was either like the mother, maybe not the grandmother, but some relation, some older female relative compared to uh, Fran Drescher's character. Thanks to Handy Dandy Wikipedia, we can confirm Yetta Rosenberg was Fran Drescher's character's grandmother. And also she was on five episodes of one of my favorite shows from the early to mid-90s, Picket Fences. Picket Fences, yes. And she also was on two episodes of Seinfeld. Oh, wow. Playing Evelyn uh, in The Cadillac and The Pen. The Pen. Also on this episode, playing Gronk, as much as we'd like it to be Rob Gronkowski, was Hunts Hall. Hunts Hall. H-U-N-T-Z Hall. And he was in a bunch of old-time movies. Oh. I'm seeing The Bowery Boys, which goes back to the early 50s. Uh, and actually, this is one of two appearances of him on The Ghostbusters. Oh. Hey, it, he, he played a judge in the 1974 movie, Herbie Rides Again. And guess what, Mike? I have nothing to say. What, what's up? <laughs> Keaton Wynn was playing Alonzo P. Hawk in Herbie Rides Again. <laughs> oh my gosh and another Ken, another reference to super train and ken barry played his nephew in the movie who was the love interest for stephanie powers in that movie and, and of course talking about ken barry he was on f troop with forrest tucker and larry storch it all ties back together it's all circular absolutely also in this episode playing salem is lee christian and Lee Christian, uh, the only thing I see of, of consequence, she played Fran Hooker on TJ Hooker. Ooh. Fran Hooker on TJ Hooker. For, for one episode. 
And she appears to be another person who was that actress on that show back specifically in the 70s. Okay. So that takes us to episode nine. They went that away. Those ghost riders in the sky are the spirits of Billy the Kid and Bell Star back to round up a new gang of cattle rustlers. The Ghostbusters disguise themselves as cowboys to get the dematerializer drop on them. Okay, there was like a cowboy Wild West figure on the Gauntlet of Villains, so I'm going to give it a thumbs up. So we're at like four, at least. Yeah, I'm still keeping track at this point in the show. There's a pretty big name who played Billy the Kid in this episode, and I'm pretty sure we've talked about him on numerous occasions. I'm talking about Marty Ingalls. Oh, yes. Oh, Marty Ingalls, Shirley Jones's husband for a long time. Hilarious person. Uh, when Chico and I were at uh, one of the game show congresses back, oh, this is either 15 or 16 years ago, they did uh, the What's My Line uh, stage show at the hotel. And as mystery guests, they had Shirley Jones and Marty Ingalls. And Marty Ingalls was completely off the wall. Hilarious. And where you'd know him from, uh, especially if you're a kid of the 80s, he was Pac-Man in the cartoon series. Yes, on the Pac-Man animated cartoon. That's really all you need to know right there about Marty Ingalls. That's not his entire career, but that's where I know him best from. Oh, hey, Mike, would you believe this? He was on an episode of Baywatch. In what role? That that doesn't seem like a show he'd be on. He played a character called Prospector in the episode called, oh, in 1997, this title was very timely, El Nino. Was David Hasselhoff fighting Chris Farley? I am El Nino. El Nino is Spanish for the Nino. Also, uh, I want to add that Marty Ingalls was on a show, and I want to cover it. I don't know if it's on our list, but it's definitely one I think we need to cover back in the early 60s called I'm Dickens, He's Fenster. He was the Fenster. Oh. Ran one season, but supposedly it's a really good show. It's available on DVD. Uh, It may even be on uh, streaming somewhere, but that may be a show that uh, we may want to look at in the future. It is Submission 1002. There you go. So we will be looking at it sometime in the future. Playing Bell Star in this episode is Brooke Tucker. Again, another, she, she has five credits to her name. The biggest one of which was uh, playing a nurse, Nurse Purewood on Medical Center between 1970 and 1972 for 13 episodes. But besides that, there's the Ghostbusters. She was on an episode of Charlie's Angels. She was on uh, something called A Night for the Ladies. That may be a movie more than a TV series. And also she played a policewoman. Well, we talked about Gronk earlier. This show she was on was called Bronk, B-R-O-N-K. So we had Gronk and now we got Bronk. I know you're amazed, Greg. Episode 10 is called The Vampire's Apprentice. Hey, there's another gauntlet of villains villain, a vampire. The Ghostbusters may get the bite put on them when Count and Countess Dracula return from the other side in search of a warm-blooded donor. And playing the Count in this episode is Billy Holmes. 
And what is Billy Holmes known for? Not much. Uh, he was on Beretta. He was on an episode of Quincy. Yeah, n- not a very diverse resume. Playing the Countess, Dina Dietrich. You know who Dina Dietrich If you saw a picture of Dina Dietrich, you'd be like, I know who she is. Just passed away within the last year. She was Mother Nature in the chiffon butter commercials. Oh. It's not nice to fool Mother Nature. If you think it's butter, but it's not. It's chiffon. I know that rings a bell. You're not that young. I know what that is. Okay. Just, just wanted to verify. And also, for six episodes, we talked about her in the past, believe it or not. For six episodes, she played Ethel Armbruster on The Ropers. Oh, The Ropers. That was a fun show. That was. It's probably one of my favorite episodes. That takes us to episode 11. Jekyll and Hyde. Together for the first time. The first time they've ever met. Can you believe The first time. Oh, my God. It was on this show. Yeah. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde are living as two separate persons with the Neanderthal Hyde driving the insane and urbane Jekyll. Only by drinking a potion made from a person without any personality can Jekyll ever hope to be set free from Hyde. And we have a name here playing Mr. Hyde. Okay. Joe E. Ross. Yes. And I mentioned it in the last episode. I said, we're going to mention Car 54. Where are you sometime this week? Besides uh, the Nipsey Russell reference. There it is. He played Gunther Tootie on Car 54. Where are you? Oh, and hold on a second, Mike. To tie it back in with the Herbie series, he played a detective in the love bug. Second second reference to the Herbie movies in this episode. Oh, you know what? I can make another reference to Gronk, believe it or not, because he played the character Gronk in the TV show. It's about time. It's about time. What the hell is it? It's about time. Oh, you don't know what that is? No. Uh, it's about two astronauts, and uh, they're going so fast that they go back in time to prehistoric Earth. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and Joey Ross plays like the prehistoric father or husband and Imogene Coca plays the, his uh, wife. Oh my God. I'm looking at it. I think and if this isn't on our submission list, I'm pretty sure I submitted it, but it should be. And actually the only reason I really know about this before internet times is on one of the uh, TV theme CDs that you could buy uh, through retail back in like the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. It had the theme to It's About Time. It is an early submission. It's 054. Okay. And that was probably submitted by me. And so, and appropriately enough, 054, because you mentioned he was on Car 54. Car 54. Oh my gosh. That's coincidence and a half right there. That's great. So, yeah, uh, it's about time. We'll have to cover it eventually, not just for its theme song, but yeah, it's, it's a one-season wonder, question mark? Maybe. 
maybe we'll, we'll we'll cover it one day. And then Mr. Jekyll was played by Severn Darden. Severn Darden played Van Helsing in Saturday the 14th. Oh, yes, with Richard Benjamin Paul Apprentice. Yeah. Uh, he was also in Battle for the Planet of the Apes. And, and I think he was in a Conquest for the Planet of the Apes. He was in the last two Planet of the Apes movies. I know that. Oh, and also, how about this for his second credit? Oh. He played a person named Carpathia. Watch this. How about this for a second reference to this show in about three minutes? I'm Car 54. Where are you? Oh, well, that's amazing. It's it, it, it's a bit of a stretch, but it's right there. His second uh, credit in IMDb is Car 54. Where are you? Oh, third mention of that show in this week. Oh, and I think we mentioned this last week, but I think we're going to mention it again. He was in Real Genius. He played Dr. Yeah, Meredith. we did mention that. All right. I think that's all we got for episode 11. So we're going to go ahead to episode 12. Okay. Which is called Only Ghosts Have Wings. The Ghostbusters discover the Red Baron and his grease monkey Sparky using the haunted castle to repair their damaged airplane. And playing the Red Baron is Howard Morris. Oh, he was on the Andy Griffith show. He was Ernest T. Bass on the Andy Griffith show. Absolutely. He was gopher in the short Winnie the Pooh in the blustery day. And he also did the role of gopher in Winnie the Pooh in the honey tree. Oh, I got one that's even better. What? He was the voice of the Hamburglar. Oh, my God. Robble, robble. Robble, robble. And hey, since we mentioned already once uh, this week, maybe even in this episode, he portrayed a voice on Yo Yogi. Yo Yogi. Oh my God. And also, uh, he uh, had a couple of voices on Police Academy, the animated series. Oh, yes. Police Academy, the animated series. Yeah. Oh, he was Sweet Chuck in Police Academy, the animated series. So he did the voice of Tim Kazarinsky's character. Oh, oh, that's great. Oh, oh, and he he did 121 episodes of Garfield and Friends. Oh, who did he voice in Garfield and Friends? He voiced Wade Duck, Fox, Wart, Worm, and Wolf. Okay, right there, Wade, uh, that's... Yeah, that, that's like one of the two or three big characters on that show. So, yeah, very prominent voice actor. And then in this episode playing Sparks is Robert Easton. Robert Easton. Uh, he was a Klingon judge in Star Trek VI. Oh, okay. It wasn't quite John Shuck in Star Trek for the Voyage Home, where he was so outraged that Admiral Kirk had been charged on nine violations of Starfleet regulations. Starfleet regulations? That's outrageous! And also, again, uh, he came up a couple weeks ago when we talked about Kolchak the Night Stalker. Okay. so He was on the Mr. Ring episode. So three... References to Kolchak the Night Stalker in this episode. At at least two, possibly three. We're losing count at this point. Episode 13, The Vikings Have Landed. 
the ghosts of Eric the Red and Brunhilde return to plant a Viking banner and establish their claim to having discovered America prior to the loathsome Lothar the Hun. Sadly, no cameo from Frayne Tarkington. No. But, uh, well, we do have a, a cameo here by a pretty big name playing Eric the Red. Oh. Imagine this. Imagine this guy playing Eric the Red. This is really, again, one of those that I couldn't see him doing it, but he did it. Jim Backus. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. Yeah, Mr. Magoo, Thurston Howell III. What else do we really need to say besides Mr. Magoo and Thurston Howell III? That's right. Oh, hey, Mike, the tide pack in from earlier. You know who played Mr. Howell's son in the Harlem Grove Charters Go to Gilligan's Island? Yes, I know. Say it. Uh, the guy who hosted the dating show with Johnny Brown, David Ruprecht. Yeah, he was Thurston Howell the Fourth in the Harlem Gilligan's Island meets the Har- well, the Harlem Globetrotters go to Gilligan's Island. That's what it was called. Yeah, it all ties back together very nicely. I got a question: Why would the Harlem Globetrotters want to go to Gilligan's Island? Well, I would also ask: How did they get off and not take the castaways with them? Well, I think was it in the second movie, the second reunion movie, like they got rescued again and they made Gilligan's Island like a resort or something? Um, I don't know and I don't care. Well, <laughs> well, that's what I deserve. And playing Brunhilde is Lisa Todd. Lisa Todd. Lisa Todd, who, yeah, she has not. She was a hee haw girl. Oh, okay. From she... 1970 to 1974, she played Sunshine Corn Silk. Okay. Well, <laughs> Sunshine Silk, huh? Sunshine Corn Silk. Sunshine Corn <laughs> And she was also on A Week of Tattletales. Oh, wow. Possibly with Buck Owen, it says, uh, as herself, with as Buck and Lisa. Well. She, she couldn't have been going out with Buck Owens, could she? Maybe. I'll tell you what. She was yeah, going- oh, possibly, because that was the team, Buck Owens and Lisa Todd. Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you this much. She was no Victoria Holman. She was no Victoria Holman. You're absolutely right about that. That takes us to the second to last episode, 14, Merlin the Magician. Merlin and Jester Gronk. Oh, there's Gronk again are pursued from the great beyond by their nemesis, Morgan Le Fay, who intends to trap them in this era. The Ghostbusters befriend and assist the broken-down magician in his battle with the beautiful sorceress. And we talked about Hans Hall earlier as Grunk. Playing Morgan Le Fay in this is Ina Ballon. We talked about another Ballon earlier this episode. I wonder... Maybe husband and wife, possibly? Possibly. Shrugged shoulders here? I, I don't really know. And what was she known for? Oh, mm-hmm. she was a Golden Globe winner. She was? Okay. Not that that means much, considering all the controversy with the Golden Globes now, but still. Yeah, she, she still won one. And playing Merlin, another name from back in the day. Carl Ballantyne. Oh, Carl Ballantyne. 
I almost want I said something that I just didn't want to say. What? Uh, one of his top credits here is Love American Style. Oh, Love American Style. Due to the red, right, and boo-hoo. Well, and also, Carl Ballantyne, I know this is an entry because I submitted it. He was on 13 episodes of One in a Million. One in a Million. Playing Max Kellerman. No, not that Max Kellerman. Not that Max Kellerman. No. We'd have to watch out to see if Stephen A. Smith was anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and also, we mentioned Carl Ballantyne in previous episode when things are rotten because he was on two episodes. Okay. And also, since we've made enough references to this show the last couple of days, he was also on three episodes of Car 54, Where Are You? Oh, yes. Because why the heck not at why this the, point? Yeah, why not? And yeah, I hope we can find some one in a million because, ah, uh, Carl Ballantyne, Shirley Hemphill, Richard Paul, I'm sold. All right, let's get to that last episode. Uh, okay, what's the last episode? The Abominable Snowman. Okay. Spencer stumbles onto the scene when Dr. Centigrade is searching for a warm-blooded heart to transplant into the Abominable Snowman. And playing Dr. Centigrade, this is a name I think we've mentioned at some point in the past. Okay. Ronnie Graham. Oh, my God. Hold on a second. Mike. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. You know okay. where I'm going with this. He played the minister in Spaceballs. You're darn right he did, among other things. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yes. He had to officiate the wedding between Princess Vespa and Jim J. Bullock. Yeah. Oh, that's a great scene. And it seems like Ronnie Graham plays a lot of religious characters on TV shows. Oh, yes. He played a reverend for nine episodes on Chico and the Man. And we obviously mentioned the minister in uh, Spaceballs. But also... He's in something in 1976 know. called Wonton Ton, the dog who saved Hollywood. Starring Bruce Stern, Terry Gar, Art Carney... And, oh, Mike, Madeline Kahn was in this movie. So you know what that means. Oh, no. Play it. Oh, my, 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 looks like it's raining in Kansas. No, no, that's just a little bit of dirt. I'll just pass it right. Oh, oh, there's no Kansas. <laughs> oh, my, that looks like the day after. <laughs> and another way I recognized Ronnie Graham's name he was actually a celebrity on Match Game PM in 1980. Oh, wow. He was a Match Game PM. And, and the, the funny thing is, not haha funny, just kind of like what funny, is I can't find any credits for him around that time. Wow. I mean, he was a story consultant on MASH in 77, 78, and 79. Yeah, and he was on an episode and, of MASH in 78. He played a character called Sergeant Gribble in the season six episode Your Hit Parade. Yeah, but I, I don't think one appearance on MASH merits a uh, spot on MASH Game PM in 1980, but mm. who knows? It, it, it just very bizarre that he really didn't have anything going on at the time, and I don't have the episode here to take a look at, but 
Yeah, he did an episode of Match Game uh, PM back in uh, 1980. And we have Richard Balin again as the Abominable Snowman. So say, I told you uh, we would be talking about him uh, multiple times on this episode. Yeah, we talked about Richard Balin earlier because he played the mummy in a Worthless Gauze episode. Yes. So he was a mummy and he was an Abominable Snowman. All right. And he was the brother of Ina Balin that I just mentioned the previous episode. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. He was the brother of the person who played Morgan Le Fay in the previous episode. So we have a little bit of closure there talking about the names sounded familiar. Yeah, they're actually brother and sister. And that's it. That's 15 episodes. Well, as like a postscript to this show, what happened? And really, it's not what happened in terms of ratings. It's just filmation went a direction that maybe wasn't beneficial to the show or definitely wasn't beneficial to this show, but was beneficial to another show that it had on the CBS schedule at that time. They were second in the ratings on Saturday mornings back in 1975 and 76 second. So that would tell you, Hey, this is a surefire hit. We're going to have more episodes, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, even though it was uh, second in the ratings and it was slated to come back for a second season, uh, Filmation decided to put more money into the number one program on uh, Saturday mornings in 1975, 76, the Shazam ISIS hour. Oh. So, yeah, they, they were trying to make Shazam and ISIS better at the cost of the second best show on Saturday mornings in that season. Mm. So it really should have lasted longer. And well, maybe that's kind of sort of the reason that we had the cartoon series 11 years later. I know, you know, it, it was capitalizing on popularity of the other Ghostbusters, but still maybe that was a make good uh, saying, Hey, you know, we heard you 11 years ago, 10 years ago, we'll give you this version because Larry Storch is old at that point, and Forrest Tucker, if Forrest Tucker hadn't passed away by that time, he was getting up there. And Forrest Tucker passed away actually October of 1986, so he would have passed away shortly after the cartoon debuted. Yes. Something interesting I noticed uh, while doing some research, this aired at 11.30 in the morning on Saturdays. Let me give you its competition because its competition is a little bizarre, I think. Its competition at 11.30 on Saturdays was an animated adaptation of The Odd Couple called The Oddball Couple. What? I'm not kidding. It had a cat and a dog as the Felix and Oscar characters. What? I, again, I wish I was kidding, but it's exactly what it is. It's a dog called Fleabag and a cat named Spiffy. <laughs> Guess which one Fleabag plays? Oh, God. Fleabag is the slob. Go figure. Oh, jeez, what a strange. Fleabag is, is Oscar in the show. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, an animated version of The Odd Couple with a dog and a cat. You can't make this stuff up. No. But also on NBC was a show called West Wind. West Wind. And I shared this with Greg. uh, Yeah, I shared this with you a couple of uh, nights ago, I believe. West Wind is not memorable for its show. It's it's basically like an adventure on a, a ship type of show. But playing one of the characters in West Wind... Yeah. Would you believe a one-year-old Steve Burns? Wait, the same Steve Burns from Blue's Clues? That's what I'm saying. A one-year-old Steve Burns. Not even joking about that. Oh, my God. A one-year-old Steve Burns. He would have turned two probably early in the show's run, but he was one when the show debuted. Yeah, that's amazing, I think. And the show that it replaced uh, in 1974 and 75, Greg, yeah. I have something to declare. What? I'm using my money in the bank. Oh, hold on. Ref, come in. Come on. Get in. He's cashing in. Come on. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone. Mike Klaus is cashing in his money it. in the bank contract for the birthday episode of It Was a Thing on TV in early March. And the show that it replaced at 11.30 a.m. for the 1974-75 season, I have in my hands. And this is what we're going to cover in March. Okay. The Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show. What? What is that? Okay. Do you know who the Hudson Brothers are? Vaguely? Okay. So they were a uh, music group, very popular among the younger crowd back in the uh, late 60s and early 70s. They had a variety show on CBS. I think it was about 74-ish. And it didn't work out there, but they gave the Hudson Brothers a Saturday morning variety slash comedy show uh, for the 1974-75 season that aired at the 1130 uh, time slot on CBS. And I've gone through maybe about half the series. There's 14 episodes on here. And the opening itself, we could talk probably 20 minutes about. And actually, if you remember last season on Family Guy, they actually did a joke about this. uh, When Quagmire won an auction for Sully Sullenberger's hat, Except it was fake. Peter faked it. And uh, and Peter said something about uh, Quagmire going to meet Sully Sullenberger to get it signed. And something about Razzle Dazzle, and I'm not kidding, it deviated to the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle show, which what? is like three minutes long and is the trippiest thing you'll ever see. But there are some positives to it. Murray Langston was on this show. That's a plus. But also, there's a bear on the show. A bear? There's a bear. And an emu. Oh. Not Lemu emu. There's an emu on the show. Not Lemu emu. And Doug. No, there's no Doug and and definitely no Lemu emu. But yeah, we're going to cover that. And actually, a couple weeks ago, I sent you and Chico, uh, when I was watching the... the, uh, the, uh, 
one of the episodes, I think the final episode, McLean Stevenson was on that show. Oh, good. We need McLean. Yeah, I sent that to you maybe about uh, three or four weeks ago. McLean Stevenson was on, and he was being attacked by the emu. But there you go. Coming in March, we're talking about the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show. Wow. Oh, wait until I foist this upon you guys. I'm going to have watched every episode thoroughly, taken very copious amounts of notes. This is like my new best friend right now. So you've been warned. The Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show. Yeah, it's coming. But getting back to this. So yeah, the, the, the ratings are good. It's just the production company wanted to invest more money into the better show, even though they're literally one, two in the daytime ratings, uh, the Saturday morning ratings. So it's not a victim of bad ratings by any stretch. It's a victim of financials. And the thing is, if you've ever seen a Filmation show, I'm not going to lie, I I think Filmation has one of the uh, worst uh, quality uh, animations uh, of any company. Oh, it is super cheap. Yeah, so I I can totally see why uh, Lou Scheimer might be like, no, we're not going to put this money towards the Ghostbusters. We're going to invest it in this big franchise, Isis Shazam. Yeah. But if you're interested in this, it is available on DVD. Mill Creek has announced a re-release of the series on DVD. It doesn't say that it's been released. It has been released once on DVD, but Mill Creek, people that we like, we love their work. Yeah. looks like they're going to re-release the series on DVD in the near future. Okay. Well, good on you, Mill Creek. Hey, we love our friends at Mill Creek. We love our friends at Kino Lorber. Good folks. Yes. They put out quality. Support them. They, they do good things. Exactly. They, they put out quality. I could not say that any better. Someone has to put these obscure things on DVD and Blu-ray for physical collectors in 2021 and 2022. Well, Mill Creek uh, apparently may be doing that in the near future. And, of course, we will talk about the cartoon in the future. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely talk about the cartoon. Well, that does it for this week, unless you have something else to add. Uh, No, that does it for this week. Oh, my God. Well, the Ghostbusters. Nine years before Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and Ernie Hudson were battling Gozer on a rooftop in New York City. Boris Tucker, Larry Storch, and a gorilla gave us a very trippy thing on TV. It's been a weird week between the the two shows, but next week. Next uh, week. uh, Hey, we have a trend going on here. This is going to be the third show we've done on a Thanksgiving. We did Thanksgiving 2019. We did Thanksgiving last year. And now we've got Thanksgiving 2021. Let's see if you can follow the pattern. What did we cover in 2019? The 1983 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. In 2020, what did we cover? The 1984 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Boy, I wonder what we're going to cover next week. Hmm. But 
we're also covering something very special in addition to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, this isn't just uh, one certain Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. We're actually going to talk about two, not, not two Macy's Day Parades, but two Thanksgiving Day Parades. Yes. One on one network and one on another network. Yes. And we'll have those episodes up just in time for Turkey Day right here on It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening. Don't forget about the socials. It was a thing on TV on most socials. It was a thing on TV podcast on Facebook because Mark Zuckerberg's an idiot. Hey, Mark. Well, until next week, we'll see you with more things right here on It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you with some gobble gobbledies next week. Wow! That's right! <laughs> Step right up! Have your picture taken with TV legend Larry Storch! Larry Storch was always my favorite. Every day, I watched and hoped he'd get off the island. LAUGHTER